Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Once again, we've made it we once made more it. unto the breach. Unto the breach. Welcome once again to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast about Star Trek Discovery with your hosts. I am Steph. And I am Aki. And this is a star date 108 to 1.6. And we will be discussing episode nine of season one, uh, Into the Forest I Go, and episode 10 of season one, Despite Yourself. Things are going to get heavy. Whoa. And a spoiler, it might be a mirror universe. It might. It might. You never know. Shall we do it? Shall we do the rundown, Aki? I think we should. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down You know me? they're bringing Sister Act, no, Sister Sister back to Netflix. Did you see that? I got super yes. excited. Super excited about <laughs> Tia and Tamara returning once again to primetime or streaming or whatever. That's interesting. Are they doing like a 20 years later? I don't know. Tia and Tamara. Sister, sister. Don't know how much I miss him. And that was Jamal Jean. That was a, uh, we don't have to go into that's our That's a third podcast we'll uh, do with yeah. 90s uh, sitcoms. Yes. Nickelodeon. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Great. Wow. We have, we have a, uh, <laughs> Basically, an entire career set out ahead of us. But, you uh, do. well, let's, we're supposed to run it down. We played the run it down music and we're not running. Stop. I'm sorry. I, I, I went off on a tangent as I often it's I okay. want to do. It's okay. That song did sort of sound like the sister sister. It did a little bit. It All reminded right. me. So, episode nine of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we begin with. The captain, Lorca, receiving a message from the Starfleet Command, and they're saying, listen, you screwed up at Pavo. You were supposed to turn that big crystalline uh, antenna into a thing that helps us see Klingon vessels, and instead it's inviting the Klingons and us to come and do peace talks, which is not going to work because we all know the Klingons are not going to get down like that. So they're saying, listen, we're asking everyone to retreat. We want you to come back to Starbase 46. Uh, we want to see you here. And then we'll figure out where we go from there. The lurker's like, mm, mm, okay. And then he signs off. And then he's like, yeah, we're not doing that. Here's what I want you to do. We're not jumping to Starbase 46. I want you to go warp five. That's like, come on, dude. So cunning. Yeah, he's like warp five towards Starbase 46. And then as we have three hours before the Klingons get to Pavo, so we got to figure out how to break through their cloak in three hours. And then we're going to jump back to Pavo and we're going to, Save the planet. That's that's what he's saying at any rate. Uh, I think these... It's Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Rebellion. Yes. It's got that sort right. of thing about it, right? It's got that Captain Kirk thing. Because I did notice that, like, episode one, the Vulcan hello, we get all this business about Michael, don't disobey orders, chain of command, do everything right, you know? 
And everyone sort of like blames her for starting the war. And then this guy's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. Defy orders, jump back and prosecute this war on our own. And the whole crew's like, yeah. And that's the power of captaincy. Mm. I feel like captains are just given so much leeway. Anyway, okay. So Lorca says to Stamets, we need to have like a plausible deniability for why we're not using the spore drive. And so he says, you're having some trouble with your implant, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Stamets says, yeah, I think I am actually. And he says, oh, great. Now go down to the doctor and have him run a bunch of tests. And if you'll recall, in the last episode, Stamets admitted to Tilly that uh, his brain's been feeling a little weird because he's been floating around on the mycelial network, jumping through time and stuff. He's not well, and he does not want to be tested by the doctor, but now he has to be. And the doctor, by the way, is his partner, Dr. Hugh Colburn. So anyway, credits. Boom. When we get back... Starfleet has done its thing. We get the, like, the captain comes on the bridge. He's like, we now got two hours and some odd minutes before the Klingons show up. Tell me you figure something out. And then all the sciencey people do all their sciencey stuff. And they're like, here's what we need to do. We think they're moving graviton, gravitational waves around their ship. And we got to put two sensors on their ship. And then once we have the sensors, we can use that to get information about where the ship is and how it's distorting space. The only problem is it was going to take days to get all the data that we need. And Lorca looks off and says... We don't have days, but we do have a spore drive. So then he goes to down to sick bay, and Stamets is like, ooh, and Culber's like, ooh, because they obviously just discovered that white matter in his brain is turning into four-dimensional juice. Some questionable Star Trek science. Yeah, come on, this is total. He's like, your mitral city lobotomy. Yeah, lobotomy, phlebotomy. So he's kind of like, I don't think you should be doing any more jumps. And of course, this is when Lorca comes in and he's like, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make more jumps than you've ever made in your life. I need you to make 133 micro jumps. I was going to ask. I was, I was going to ask how many it was. Okay. Yeah, it was 133. Yeah. I know you have notes. Hey, I have extensive notes in front of me. Yes. 133 micro jumps. And apparently... I'm sorry. Would you say it again in your... Excuse me. <clears throat> we need to do 133 micro jumps. Is that... Perfect. Yeah. Uh, and Sam's is like, but my brain. And then Lorca's like, hey, do you want to be a god of science? And Stamets is like, uh, yeah. <laughs> basically and then oh Stamets uh is also is uh like Lorca like says like look at all this jump data and Stamets is blown away that Lorca has been keeping jump data he's like kind of like flattered that the captain's interested in his science project and the captain's like look at this can you see there might be an alternate universe and ways to go there through the mycelial network and we have all this data and your your work is so important for the future of the federation we're gonna find new ways to travel and fly and explore but once this war is over and Samus is like, to end this war, I'll do it. All right. So back on the bridge, the captain is like, okay, Tyler, because that's his, like, you know, his number one cat. He's like, Tyler, I want you to set up a two-person team to go on that. When we get there to the Klingon vessel, you guys are going to jump in and place the two thingies. Uh, thingies? Place the two. Uh, I want to, they call them two different things. Beacons. Once, once they were called them, like, beacons, sensors? they called okay. them sensors. I'm going to go with sensors. And the idea was that these two things are on the ship and then you can triangulate, big fancy word, where the ship is because you've got these two points of origin. But it would normally have taken days, so thankfully they can force Paul Stamets to do 133 jumps to give them a bunch of different vectors from which to judge the information and cuts the days down into four minutes, apparently. 
Uh, so that's mm. the big plan that they have. They got to show up. They got to get the Klingon ship to decloak. And then once it decloaks and before its shields are up, it's vulnerable to them transporting in. And then they got to place the two sensors. And then they have to do the 133 jumps once the ship is recloaked, which will take four minutes. And then once they come back, they got to analyze the data. And then they'll be able to see exactly where the ship is because you can't have a cloak and a shield up, apparently. I think that's true through TNG, but I'm not entirely sure. And I forgot to look it up, but I do seem to recall that there was a vulnerable moment. When you fire, uh, you have to the, lower shields? Is that what? No, you have to lower the cloak. I think you, no, no, to you fire. have to lower, yes, you have to lower That's the cloak. Right. Yeah, you can't fire from cloak. Every D&D wizard worth his salt knows that. Okay, so Tyler wants Burnham to be the second person, and Lorca is adamantly against it. Uh, but Michael's like, listen, I'm the only one who's been on that ship. I was there with Georgia when she died. Uh, um, but I know what the ship looks like, and I know how to move around it, and I'm the person to do it. And Lorca's still like, absolutely not. You tell somebody else. And Michael says, well, that doesn't, it's not logical. It's a real Vulcan moment. I Vulcan. And then... Um, she says not unless this is about me and then Lorca's kind of like we get a lot of like Lorca giving us some he's got some weird things going on in this episode for an episode where a lot of other people are having weird things happen to their mind and we get distracted Lorca's also going through some machinations that's a great word I love machinations it could be just pronounced machination I don't know it could but it just reminds me of Sean Connery machinations money penny Machinations. Uh, yes. So it's hard to stop talking like that. Uh, Michael basically uh, convinces him with a cool quote, which I will save for our quotation section, which reminds me I shouldn't throw this paper too far away. Uh, but essentially, she convinces him and he says, All right, you go, but you come back safe. Anyway, so we're about to do the jumpy business, and Dr. Culber shows up, and Tilly kind of spills the beans that Stamus has known for a while, that everything's not right, and that he's been having weird side effects, and Culber's like, you know what, forget it, I should have known, it's fine, here's a weird medical arm brace that will allow me to monitor you while you're doing the jumps and give you medicine from outside of the jump room, which I should really figure out the name is. The sauna uh, thing, the spore sauna. Yes. Lorca makes a kind of speech, which I thought about writing down, but it's not really that inspiring. He's like, basically says, when I met you all, you were a bunch of stupid eggheads who were weak, and now you're strong. We finally get that encouraging speech from Lorca to his crew. Sort yeah. of, but it's still kind of like, you know, you stopped being nerds and finally yeah. you got some guts. You jump, so now let's go kill some Klingon. It does feel sort of like that army boot camp type speech where we're going to break you. And then build you back up. Yeah. But I'm yeah, still yeah. going to show you that I did it. Yeah, it was me. But he does sort of, he does extend an arm to like community of the ship. He's like, we, no ship but Discovery can do this, you know. Um, so that's nice, I guess. Uh, they jump to Pavo and then we jump to the Klingon ship and Cole is there and he is talking a lot of smack about what he's going to do to the Veneration, blah, 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 blah. Someone tells him that Discovery is there. He goes, oh, they're there and they're sitting ducks. And he says, prepare to drop cloak and fire. We will storm her decks, execute her crew and take her storied weapon for our own. <laughs> you know, it's a little over the top, Cole, but that's all right because we know you're, it's interesting. There's like, it's a fine line between being an awesome Klingon and being a, a like a, a jerk Klingon. 
like to have honor and be a warrior and have like this caliber of person. And then that can turn so quickly into someone like Cole, who's just like a, like a blood mongering maniac, you know, who just monologues about how much power he'll have and how much respect he'll gain. Yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into that right now. We sure will later back on the ship. Uh, Tyler and Michael transport over and they have like these like uh, pattern things that allow them to appear to be Klingon life signs. So they get onto the ship once the ship drops cloak and starts attacking the Discovery and Discovery's kind of flying around doing their like evasion formation betazoid or whatever. And they get one sensor in place. And as they're going to move the second one, they discover behind a door a human life sign. Tyler says, oh yeah, a human life sign. Wait, 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 wait. The trail of that is long, and I am not mad about it. Okay, so uh, Tyler's like, we got to finish the mission. And Michael says, everyone comes home. We're not leaving anyone behind. So they break open the door, and who should they find in the Klingon abattoir? But Admiral Cornwell. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cornwell herself. You always question yourself, and you get it right most of the time. I just feel like I got it wrong that one time, and now I'm always like, is it Cornwall? Is it Cornwell? Um, I know her first name's Katarina. So they find Cornwall. They wake her up, but she can't feel her legs. But also they find who we saw was dumped in there in the last episode, Lorel. And so Tyler sees Lorel and raises his phaser. And then he has a very interesting episode in which he has like these like a PTSD attack. Essentially, he freezes up. He starts sweating. He can't speak. He can't focus his eyes. He's just kind of keeping the gun trained. Uh, and um, he's sort of we're given these like flashbacks of the torture that he suffered. And it's pretty gruesome looking as a lot of like spinning blades and blood and bones and stuff. And pretty intense. Uh, Cornwell, whom you may recall is a psychologist, uh, says she recognizes mm. the signs of PTSD. Michael, no nonsense. She just shoots Laurel. Laurel is stunned. She gets knocked down. She puts uh, Tyler next to Cornwell. Cornwell's like, uh, why are you supposed to be here? Michael explains the mission. She says, I got to go. You're going to have to stay with that. She says, you're going to leave me. She says, I got to finish this mission. Don't worry. We're going to transport you out, but we got to win the war. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've got no choice. Yeah, she's got to save him. Come on. So she leaves Cornwell with a gun, but Cornwell still can't feel her legs, apparently. So Michael goes on alone. She was bashed against that thing with the electrocuted her. Yeah, with the electricity. So it's like she, her spine is broken and she got electrocuted. I'm not sure. Anyway, she's not in good shape, but uh, she's got her wits about her. Michael goes and she's able to plant the second. Uh, now, see, I wrote transmitter here. Oh, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Transmitter. They call them both. So Michael transmits, <laughs> sets the second transmitter. They find it on disco that the transmitters are set. They start taking data and... Uh, so back on disco disco yeah totally they are like okay it's time to make these uh do the thing so they do their weird jump and start like attacking they like jump attack jump attack these are not even the 133 jumps i realized in this watching uh these are just jumps like it said so the clingers are like oh they're shooting at us so they recloak and that's when they can start getting the information someone dying outside of my window yep that sounded like a Klingon Just death. A Klingon. Mm-hmm. All right. So once the Klingon chip cloaks, that's when they're able to get the information. They do their 133 jumps. It is intense. And back on the Klingon chip, Cornwell is able to get Tyler 
sort of like back into his own frame of mind just in time to save them both from being attacked because sabotage has been discovered on the ship and people are trying to get into the room. So Tyler's able to come back. He pushes her aside from a phaser blast. He picks up a Klingon weapon, evaporates a Klingon, and then shuts the door. Yeah, pew, 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 pew. That was great. Thank you. Meanwhile, Michael is on the bridge of the, of the, well, the, what do they call it? The they call that i was thinking about that the the, the death i the... do it's not called the death ship oh no it just went away discovery we're gonna do that thing where we um google it i got it i got it it's the klingon ship of the yes. dead yes i was close the ship of the dead. Yeah, the dead ship, the death ship, the funeral ship. You know, ship of the dead. Ship of the dead. Because they put the dead soldiers in the coffins on the... Yes, on the ship. On the, yeah, that's on the hull, which is bananas. Anyway, okay, back to the story. Sorry. Michael's on the bridge, and she's hearing the Klingons talk, and she's got her universal translator out, so she's able to hear what they're saying now. It's being translated into English. And the Klingons are like, hey, something's up. I think we should just probably go to warp. I love that moment. The universal translator... Yes, because... Because it was the first time we'd... Well, I suppose we'd seen it a little bit in Enterprise, but just the sort of flippy thing, and you sort of heard the English and the Klingon being, like, at yes. the same time, and then it mm-hmm. faded out, and you were like, oh, okay, now that's they did either... It, yeah. Yeah. I think they did it once or twice on TNG, but usually when it, it didn't work, usually they were like, oh, it's nothing in the Universal Translator. I can't get anything. That's usually what they... When they oh, brought right. it out. I've never sort of seen it transition from one to the other, and then they're speaking the same language yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, Except an Enterprise, which I don't count. Cause, no, you know. don't get me started on Enterprise. You got to have faith, faith of the heart. You know where your heart's going to lead you. Okay, and so Michael decides, listen, I got to keep them here because she looks and she sees they've only done 76 jumps. They're only like halfway there. So she comes out of hiding. She reveals herself, and she reveals that she is the killer of the Klingon Messiah, Takuvma. And uh, she, like, you know, so they she engages them in conversation. She's stalling. Meanwhile, uh, just as, like, a bit that I kind of enjoyed that was creepy is that uh, in the engineering, in the science room, Hugh, who's freaking out about what's going on with uh, Stamets, runs up to the glass and says, how are you doing, Lieutenant? And Stamets looks at him and then says, there's a clearing in the forest. That's how they go, which is uh, so terrifying. It's like, you're not doing well, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> Michael manages to insult Cole enough that she's like, I want to fight you for the honor. And also Cole has the com badge of Georgia. Yeah. Uh, and so she's, and he like, she goes, I'll take that com badge back. Cause he kind of knows that she finds it precious. Cause she's looking at it and he puts it on his little metal Klingon thing. He's like, I will accept your challenge human. And then they fight with, not with Batleths, which would have really excited me. I probably wouldn't have known what to do with myself. And uh, they fight with daggers, not Batleths, but cool Klingon daggers. And Michael is basically getting uh, the snot kicked out of her. But she is stalling enough. She does well. She does well, yes. Against a Klingon, yeah. I'd say to last five minutes against a Klingon, you're doing well. Oh, she does a great job. And in fact, she looks like she, well, okay. So they get the information 
the Klingons are still not firing on Disco, so uh, Lorca decides not to jump away while they analyze the data. So they analyze the data. All this time, Michael is, like, fighting this dude, Cole, like, and just getting slashed up, and he's oh, 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 and monologuing. He's like, when I bring you back, your death will cement my power. You know, just, that's what I mean. He's, like, he's gone over the edge where where maniacal. he becomes, like, a super villain. He's maniacal. He can't stop monologuing how great he is. He's a loser. Uh, oh, one thing I really did love, which only I think started this episode, is that uh, Lorca calls Saru number one in this episode. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, when Saru is working on the data that's come in, he's like, get me that data number one. Uh, okay, so that's page one. Woo! Michael gets finally gets a good lick in on Cole, and he gets, she just like stabs him in the thigh, and then they figured out the cloak thing, so they transport away. Tyler and Admiral Cornwell and also Laurel regains consciousness and just like kind of like stows away. She goes, and she gets to, she goes for a ride on the transporter. Lucky her. And Michael, who hears that it's transport time, she like, it seems like maybe, you know, in fact, she was stalling instead of killing, right? Yeah. So, because then he like goes for an attack and she slips out and she grabs George's thing and then like kicks off the banister and then hits him and then drops down and then transports as she's falling back onto the ship. Boom! Uh, and then uh, Disco breaks the cloak and destroys the yeah. Klingon ship of the dead. Pew, 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 pew. Um, it's a big moment. Michael steps onto the bridge. She looks into Saru's eyes. Saru, like, smiles and nods, and she, smiles, like, closes her eyes and nods back. This is, like, resolution for them. They've, they've destroyed the ship, which, which started the war where they lost their, their beloved captain. So you would think that would be the end of the episode. But no! Cornwell manages to get on an emergency medical transport. She's sent to Starbase 88. Disco has the cloaking information, so they're commanded to head to Starbase 46 or, or to get all that information out to rest of Starfleet Command. Lorca is told by Starfleet Command that he needs to head to Starbase 46 now so that he can be given the Legion of Honor award. And uh, when Lorca hears this, he seems very suspicious. I wondered, yeah, he just seemed like, Mm. Tyler goes to talk to Michael and he talks about the torture and he says it was 270 days and he says there's like some very, he calls them sick affections that they shared. So we get the sense that uh, as earlier, there, it was not only torture, but also some some level of like uh, maybe some, some sexual goings on. It's dark for Star Trek. I mean, we've touched on that before, yeah. but the visuals of it was quite dark. I think... For me, it harkened back to TNG with Deanna Troy and that guy with the mind thing. Yes, totes. Totes my goats. That was a really dark episode for TNG, certainly at that time. Yeah. This is like, you know, it's kind of, but they're still dancing around it with the language. Like, we sort of get the idea, but he's not yeah. saying anything. And, we, and he sort of says, like, he encouraged it because it helped keep him alive. So there's... We get to understand yeah. there's a level of desperation to having been a prisoner. But then he says some really uh, cornball stuff that I did write down where he's like, being with Michael almost made it all worth it. And then he's like, I found peace. And then they kiss. Oh, yeah. Bounce, bounce, chicka, chicka, chicka. We zoom in on Stamets's haunted eyes. As he's looking out uh, one of the viewports, Lorca comes up and he says, hey, they were trying to give me a medal. I told him to give it to you because you're great. And then I really feel like, so listen, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
spoiler. I felt like this was like a little bit of a reverse psychology. He's like, hey, yeah, we're, uh, thanks so much. You're such a hero. We could jump to base 46, but, uh, you know, you look real tired. And I think we will just take warp and we'll get there when we get there. And Stamps is like, well, listen, I, I could jump if you want to just get home, you know, one more time. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we can we can warp there. You don't have to jump. And Stamps is like, no, 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 I'll jump one more time. And, yeah, and then he's like, it's one last jump. I'll never one do it again jump. because I think I'm something terrible is happening to me. And uh, after that, I'm just going to go see doctors. I need the best doctors in the world to fix me because something is very wrong with me. And so he agrees to do the one last jump. Tyler has some bad dreams. And that's where we get the real, like the real overlay of like torture and sex. That's when like the flashbacks are like they're in bed and then they're on the operating table and they're moaning and then they're screaming. And you get the sort of shot of Laurel, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. On flagrante. They're both uh, in a state of déshabille. Um, so <laughs> only you could make it sound like that. Well, you know, I try to make it sound as unsexual as possible. This is a talent of mine. <laughs> Hello, ladies. So uh he go when he wakes up from this weird dream, he goes staggering to see Lorel in the brig and he falls down on her knees in front of her and he asks her, What did you do to me? And she says, Do not worry. I will never let them harm you. And then soon. So they're gonna do this one last jump. And Stamus kisses Hugh, and he makes, I wrote down, worries and promises. Because they both look super worried, but Stamus says, hey, we should, next to Starbase 46, the place where we could check out Cassili and Opera, which we found out two episodes ago during the time thing, is how they got together in the first place, and that Stamets hates it, but Hugh loves it, and they're playing La Boheme, and he's like, you're going to go with me? And he's like, of course, I'm going to have a lot of free time once this last jump is over, and blah, blah, blah. We, he gets into the chamber. We shoot to Lorca, who's apparently he's on his little captain's armchair thing, and he's fussing around with the jump coordinates. But we don't know exactly what he does, or whatever. And then he says, let's go home. And uh, I call that, uh, I call that uh, like a half black alert. He never says black alert, but basically they're doing a jump. They jump. Stamets screams in the chair. Uh, the glass around him goes icy and opaque and weird. Uh, the computer mm. reads it as an incomplete navigation sequence. Uh, when they finally pull Stamets out of the chamber, his eyes have gone like cloudy over, like milky white. And he's mumbling about seeing the infinite permutations. And it's beautiful. And uh, on the bridge, Saru says that he doesn't know where they are. And that is the end of episode nine. All right, so we when we end episode nine, we're kind of like, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, so when we come into it, it's, this is great that we're binging them because I remember seeing this one live and being like, I can't oh, wait so till next week. I'll fucking, you know, I'm going to schwitz all over the place. So a couple things just to say about episode 10. One... It's the beginning of chapter two of season one. They did it in chapters. I think and actually it was longer than a week between episode nine and episode ten. I think it was like a the holiday break, basically, yeah. the end of December to early January. And two, it is the first episode of Star Trek Discovery that is directed by yep. your friend and my friend. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Number one himself. Numero Uno. Numero Uno. Mr. Head Shake swivel hop over the back of the chair <laughs> the man who always walks out of a, a room askew yeah. chin first he's always, 
hitting with his chin. Anyway, he does a great job on this episode. That's I mean, he does whatever. He does a great job. So, yellow alert is how we begin the episode. Um, so they're trying to recalibrate the sensors. They're trying to figure out what's gone wrong. They're surrounded by Klingon wreckage. Uh, Saru says it looks like they're in the right place according to the jump, but nothing else around them is right. The stars are not right. Nothing is correct. And uh, Saru's threat ganglia go out as Tyler arrives on the bridge, which is interesting. We'll come back to that later, perhaps. Uh, when they're still trying to, they're in like disarray trying to figure out what's going on, a Vulcan cruiser approaches and they try to make contact. And before uh, they can like even finish sort of being like, hey, Vulcan cruiser, what's going on? What happened? They get fired on by the Vulcan cruiser and it's a red alert. Red alert. So they're getting fired on and they don't know what's going on. And then they get uh, contacted by the Cooper, uh, a ship they they know that saves them and uh, says, we'll take care of these Vulcan rebels for you. You know, and then they're all like rebels. What? Humble, 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 yabba, dabba, dabba. Um, we flash to Stamets, who is still on the floor with his eyes all cloudy. And the Dr. Culber's like, uh, he is out of commission. He's not going to be jumping anytime soon. I don't think he's even making memories. He's just mumbling nonsense. Uh, back on the bridge, Saru figures out that the quantum signatures around them are different. To which Michael says, all matter has the same signature all the matter in our universe would have the same quantum signature to which Lorca once again looking far away says correct unless this is not our universe credits okay so we come back to the show disco is still in the debris field and Lorca Saru and Michael are discussing like they're looking at the weird jump map that Lorca has in his weird office and they're like okay what happened blah blah blah. I wrote down that Lorca once again calls Saru number one Disco still has the cloak data which they have not given to Starfleet Command so they need to find a way they know that they're not in their universe they need to find a way back to their universe and Lorca they're like we should check the navigation logs and Lorca's like no we're not gonna do that we need to figure out where we are before we do anything which does seem a little suspicious and I wrote Lorca hiding something question mark (laughs) Back in sick bay, uh, Stamets is saying all kinds of weird stuff. It seems very Alice in Wonderland related or something else. He's saying it's a palace. Stay close. Yeah. Tilly's trying to bring him around by asking him questions like she doesn't remember stuff because he knows how she knows how much he gets annoyed with her not knowing things or whatever. She's like, what's the optimal humidity for the spores? And, 85 and or 87 degrees. And sad and yeah, yeah. Oh, she's like, I thought I'd bring him around by being annoying. And and Culver's like, his he's in like a total state of mental disarray. There's nothing we can do. Uh, and then Stamets gets up and he's like, uh, to the palace, to the palace. And Culber tries to stop him and he like superhuman, like whoosh, like knocks you Culber across the room, which was interesting. Mm. Uh, that was creepy. And then he's like chill and they get him back on the bed and they put a force field around him for his own protection. At that moment, Lorca arrives. Huzzah! And uh, Tilly takes off. And then Lorca and Culber kind of have it out. And I've always loved this dynamic in Star Trek is that, like, the captain is the captain. As we saw, even in the last episode, the captain was like, hey, we're going to disobey a direct order. And the crew's like, cool. Uh, But when the chief medical officer's like, no, then usually the captain cannot do anything. They can be superseded by their chief medical officer. Uh, But in this instance, Lorca does not accept that. So, well, he sort of is like uh, Stamets. Culber's like, Stamets can't go back 
into the thing. His mind is completely gone. And Loker's like, I'm taking you off of his case because you're too close to this. You're too emotional. And Culver gets in his face and he's like, did you even want him to get better? You were supposed to take care of him. You forced him to do all this stuff. I think you knew. And Loker's like, oh, he's so understanding here. Instead of like bristling the way I thought he would, he goes like, yeah, maybe I got too emotional. I really wanted to end the war. It was my mistake. Just like it would be a mistake for you to stay on his case. You have your orders. And he leaves. Meanwhile, Tyler is in a worker bee, which is like a little floating, not quite a thing. It has like arms and a laser. And because he's flying into the debris, because they're like trying, as as Lorca has commanded, to figure out where they are. So they're flying to the debris of the Klingon ship that surrounds them. And they're trying to pull out the data core so they can read the data core and figure out what's going on, where they are, what the history of the place is, you know, just general information. While he's trying to do that, he has another episode of, like, flashbacks and disassociation and sweating and being not in control of his body and his mind. But he sort of manages to pull it together enough, even though he starts to raise some questions from Lorca as to why he's, like, having trouble navigating and controlling himself. Pulls it together enough to slice out the data core and bring it back to the ship. And while he's over there, he notices that among the wreckage, the bodies among the wreckage of this Klingon ship, Vulcan and Andorian in a Klingon ship. Weird. Yeah, super weird. Uh, so I'm guessing as soon as he gets back, Tyler goes to Laurel again, because that's the next thing that happens. Of course, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, he's like, I'm back. Because uh, I guess he's like upset that things are happening in his head. And he thinks they've yeah. done something to him. Yeah. So he goes to her and he says, what did you do to me? And Laurel says, you know what we did. We did it together. And then Tyler's like, he says, like, I'm remembering procedures, surgeries, you know, all these, like, so now it's, like, getting, it's getting a little even more weird. It's not just torture and, like, uh, like uh, weird sexual stuff. There's, like, maybe some sort of surgery or something happening. And Laurel asks him to open her cell. And she says, I will give you all the truth if you open my cell. And he does. He opens the cell. What the what? What is he thinking? He wasn't thinking. He wasn't thinking stuff. Poor Ash Tyler was not thinking. He opens it. She gets like, they look like they're about to kiss. She like gets in his face and they look like they're about to like make out. And then before that happens, he like grabs her by the neck and he's like choking her. And he's like, tell me what you did to me. And she's like, ah. And then she like snaps on him and she starts speaking in Klingon. And no, I didn't learn the Klingon. I thought about it, but I didn't, we don't have time for that. In this. <laughs> that could be. For our Patreon subscribers, I will learn yeah. more Klingon and recite things for you. Ooh, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> maybe just for me. Uh, she says... I will not learn Klingon. I will leave that to you. Well, you could be the translator. I could be like... Hop, clop, drop, clop, yes! And you could do the I could English do translations. Oh, this is, like a, this is a fourth podcast. Okay, so she says in Klingon, whom do we seek? And Tyler, who's like been freaking out, he like his eyes snap forward and he's still and he says, Kalesh. And she says, how do we find him? And he says, together. And she says, Kalis gives us light to see. And he says, forever. And then they both say, will he hide from us forever? And they both say, never. What? Can you hit me with a dun-dun-dun, please? Yes! What the what? Baba the blue blue rimming and flaming his Manchurian candidating? Uh, and then he goes, the screen goes black and Laurel asks him in, in Klingon, what is your name? And then he blacks out and he comes to, he's, other, he's on the other side of the room with his gun out. With a phaser? Yeah, with his phaser out, yeah. excuse me, yeah. And uh, he's like, what did you do to me? And she's like, oh, she's freaked out. And he's freaked out. 
And she says, the prayer should have made you remember something is wrong. You have a different name. What is it? And he says, you know our name. And then he kind of just like, Real, he's like, what am I doing? He was about to like shoot her again or kiss her. It's weird. He doesn't know. He's he's not yeah, sure. He's not quite sure what's going on. And he throws her back in the thing, locks her up, and literally sprints out of the room. So Tyler's not doing great. Tyler then is in the mess hall drinking coffee, I guess. Looks like a coffee regular, milk and sugar. And uh Michael shows up and she's confronting him about his episode on the worker bee. And he tries to play it off. He's like, Hey, I don't know. What are you talking about? She's like, Come on, dog. And he's like, listen, uh, you know, I went through some rough stuff and it was hard, but I don't want to tell the captain because for PTSD, you get quarantined. He would take me out the thing. And now that we're in some place that we don't even know when or where or why or how it is, I don't want to be taken off. And he's like, you got to keep it a secret from the captain, which, you know, I never like when people are like, keep it a secret from the captain. It's the same thing Stamets said to Tilly. And look where that ended up. But here we are making the same stupid agreement. So she's like, fine, I trust you, Starfleet. I'll keep your secret. But if you have any issues, you come straight to me. And he's like, I will, I promise. So she goes, and then he's looking at his cup. And then he has another blackout. And when he comes to, the cup is broken in his hands. The glass is all over the table, and he's bleeding. So, I don't know. I'm just... There's a lot going on for Ash Tyler. This is the crux of this episode. Yep. This next scene. Because now they have unpacked the Klingon data core, and they discover... But they are in a mirror universe where there is an alliance of Vulcans and Dorians and Klingons, and they are fighting a human, a xenophobic human empire, like a fascist empire called the Terran Empire. That has a faceless emperor, and they hate all other beings. And this was Steph's idea, so you should talk to them for a little bit while I. Aki and I thought that to celebrate the mirror universe episode. We would switch it up. So I am now wearing a bow tie, and Aki has taken his off. T-shirt like some jamoke. You know what? And we were talking about this. I've never seen you in a yeah, T-shirt. Who, who would want to? I think. I think maybe I'm not allowed to put a bow tie back on until or unless the crew of the Discovery is able to make it back to their prime universe. So here I am in T-shirts now. That might be a while. Well, don't. Maybe maybe next episode. Maybe they'll wrap it up this episode. They got the data core. Maybe they'll just figure it out. Uh, Okay, so anyway, they find out about the Terrans. They're ruled by a faceless emperor. They're just horrible. They're like uh, everyone kills everyone. It's all like a power struggle. There's no honor. It's all like avarice and Machiavellian maneuvering. And they hate all other species and they want to kill all other species. And that is the mirror universe that they are in. As that happens, the Cooper comes calling again. And the Cooper's like, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys still hanging out in that debris field? And they're like, what, huh, what, huh? And so they're like, we got to figure out how to respond. And as they're trying to figure out how to respond, you know, uh, Lorca's about to jump on the horn and talk to them. And, they're, you know, they're thinking maybe they'll just do voice only instead of video because they don't know what they're supposed to look like. But right before he's about to talk, Michael says, belay that. You're not actually the captain of Discovery. Sylvia Tilly is. What? They show a picture of Sylvia Tilly, and uh, she has, like, a perm, straight hair with, like, uh, blonde highlights. She's looking, like, very severe, very fascist. It's pretty sweet. And so they're like, Tilly, you got to get on there and pretend to be, you know, a badass captain of, like, in, like, an awful empire. 
And so Tilly gets on there and she has to play the part. And she does, I would say, a middling to awful job, but it's enough. To, and they're like, why are you having trouble? with She's with the mechanical problems. And uh, she says, hold your horses. It's very Tilly. What the hell? Hold your horses. <laughs> and then uh, she puts Lorca on the spot as their engineer. And what was your, how do you appraise as, as a true, uh, you know, speaker? It's not you, bad. You think his, his Scottish accent was okay? It was, yeah, it was definitely passable. I think when he's done it for longer, I think Jason Isaacs, he, ended, he played a Scotsman for a detective series, I think, on the BBC a couple of years oh. ago. So he's well-practiced at that accent. I think when it's longer, it's slightly more yeah. questionable, but for that particular thing, I thought he did really well. It was cute. And, I mean, you know, obviously it's like a weird Scotty choice. <laughs> it's meant to make us think yeah. of Scotty, who is yet to be around i think at this point anyway or maybe he is around he's just not on the we can go who knows i'll google it later uh so anyway he he does in his scottish accent which is worth the price of admission explains that they're getting stuff back together hey captain oh uh, yeah we're trying to get on our, our mechanical things all together now uh, yeah. thanks very much we'll uh, chat to you later yeah he did Something a great like job that. yours was a little too real Thank you. Uh, more cartoonish next time. Could you give me? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> it works. The Cooper goes away and Lorca's like, all right, if we're going to survive here, we're going to need to look like we're part of the Terran empire. So they go and they do all, it's like a montage thing where they like put on the, their emblems get different. And they put away their Starfleet things. And like the Terran empire has this like a world with like a sword through it or something. And it's red and it's a ship around and it's gold. It's very bad, like totally, Big, you know, awful militaristic regime stuff. Yes, yeah, they do that salute, which is, ugh. And uh, so we're trying to figure out part of that, The maybe the best part of that montage is figuring out who Tilly is. And Michael is explaining that Tilly uh, in this world is known as the Slayer of Sorna Prime, the Witch of Werner Minor. She killed her former captain to take their spot, and she is called Captain Killy. <laughs> I love that. Man, that's good. That's worth 10 episodes. Um, yeah. So they changed their insignia. They changed the ship to look more like it, and they changed it, their name to the ISS Disco. And I meant to look up USS versus ISS, but I think we all get the picture. They called themselves the ISS Discovery, but they didn't. there wasn't any reference to them. Did they change it on the ship too? I think they did on they the did, ship. Like they must have. A very yeah, short I, space of time to go and repaint it. They send out a drone and do the drone, okay, does the drone fine, drone. Fine. Come on, they all change their clothes and stuff. This is Starfleet. This is Starfleet. Come on. They know what they're doing. They know how to fit in. You know us, Trex. We get caught up in the, in the details. So Michael and Lorca find out about their counterparts. They find out that they were pretty high up in the regime of the Terran Empire. Michael was the captain of the Shenzhou. And Lorca was the captain of the Baron, like he is in the in the Prime Universe. And apparently Lorca tried to stage a coup and kill the Emperor. And Michael, who was like the right-hand man of the Emperor, went after him. And Lorca destroyed her shuttle, apparently killing her. And then the Emperor, in retaliation, destroyed the entire ship and crew of the Baron. But it was believed that Lorca had escaped. And so Lorca comes up with this crazy plan because what they need is more info why do they need more info i'll tell you because they also find out in the data core that the uss defiant a ship from federation times that uh, they know of was also here in this universe before it does not have a spore drive 
Apparently, in the future of the... Now, follow me now. In the future of the main timeline, they fall into an anomaly and go into the past of the mirror universe. So in the mirror universe, it's past, but in the main universe, it hasn't happened yet. So they're trying to find out information on the Defiant on how to get back to their place. And the only way to do that is to get on an actual Terran ship. And so they stage this ridiculous idea, which is that Michael is still alive and she hunted down the Lorca who tried to stage a coup and tried to kill her. And that's what she's been doing all this time. And now she's bringing him back to justice. And so that's the whole plan that they contacted Tilly. And now Tilly is going to call the Shenju and have the Shenjo come and pick them up so that Michael can take over and access the data core on the Shenjo to find out about the USS to find how he got in and out. That is how they intend to get home. It's a brain twister. It's a little complicated. Uh, yes. Yes. I mean, listen, all you have to do is remember that one thing happened in the future in the main place that hasn't happened yet, but it already happened because they go backwards in the other universe. So they had the information that the future ship will have, but they wouldn't have had it before. So now they can get it to go back to their time in the right time because of what will happen to the USF to find. Yeah, don't think about it too hard. In any case, they change their clothes and Michael and Lorca pretend, don't, don't, I said, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Lorca and Michael pretend to be themselves so they can get the info on the Defiant. Uh, so Tyler, who's starting to freak out, goes down to Dr. Culber and he's like, hey, I think you should do some scans. I'm not feeling so great. And I love this part because He's like, what do you, doctor's like, what do you think they did to you? And he's like, I don't know. I think they did something to my head, man. And he's like, well, it could be like PTSD stuff. He's like, no, I don't know. It's not that. It's not that. I just want to make sure they haven't done anything weird to me. And Hugh says, are you experiencing mood swings? Check. Are, are you experiencing fugue states? Check. Are you experiencing lost time? Check. And Tyler basically is like, uh, no, not really. Just I just want to make sure that everything's, you know, that I'm cool. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like, you know, Tyler's conflicted. I understand. He's Starfleet. He doesn't want to keep lying. So the doc runs some scans, and while he's doing that, Stamus starts to freak out, and he says, stay out of the palace. Be careful. The enemy is here. And so Culber goes over to him, and he's, like, dealing with Stamus as the scans are running. And so Tilly, in the meantime, is getting advice from Michael on how to be Killy. Uh, and they sort of discuss, you know, you got to just, you know, depend. Your crew's going to get us through this, and you just have to really be an asshole. And so they, they hail the Shenzhou, and uh, the what's-his-face, Connor, who was on the original Shenzhou, is the captain there, and he's, like, giving them a bunch of lip to Tilly. And then Tilly's like, hey, I got a present for you that you'll like. And then uh, Lorca, like, bangs his face into a wall because he's a maniac so that he looks like he's beaten up. And then they show up, and uh, Connor's like, oh, Captain uh, Burnham, so uh, good to, uh, we thought you were dead. He's like, ah, you thought exactly what I wanted you to think. And then um, Tilly is like, oh, wow, Connor, you're not showing a lot of respect to your captain. She does, you know what? This is a Tilly time. Tilly Ooh. really comes through here. Yes. Yeah. Tilly, don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. Space is wide. It does get chilling. If there's one thing I know about space, it does get chilling. Clearly. Um, 
So uh, Tilly says uh, some cool stuff that I assume we both have in our quotable moments for later, so I won't even bring it up, but she puts him in his place and forces the Shenjo to come get them instead of whatever, and that works out, so they've got the Shenjo on the hook. Uh, in the meantime, Hugh uh, calls Tyler back down, and he says, hey, I-, I looked at your scans, and you've got scar tissue around all your organs, and Tyler's like, yeah, from my torture, and he's like, yeah, that's what we initially thought, but I looked a little bit closer, and it looks like what you went through was literally bone crushing like they opened your body up and bent and shaved and shortened things and like crushed your bones and tyler's like "Uh, okay he's like yeah so when we said that there was no like manchurian thing no engram on top of your brain that was true but it seems like maybe they actually there's like a they put it inside of you there's something else inside of you and tyler's like what are you talking about and he's like i don't know mentally and physically you know it seems like the klingon said something to you and Tyler's like, listen, I they need me to help them right now. And he was like, that's the whole thing. You're not you. And so I'm going to ground you. And when he says he's going to ground Tyler, Tyler hears a weird Klingon voice in his head. And he proceeds to snap the doctor's neck. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, no, it's rough. I wrote snaps his neck. All caps. And Stamets, who's not seeing things, but he's like in his own world, he just says whispers the enemy is here the enemy is here uh but that's close enough to the time that they're supposed to transfer over to the shenzhou so uh michael and Lorca are ready to transfer over Lorca pretending to be a prisoner and michael pretending to be a captain and tyler shows up a little late and and Lorca's like where have you been and he's like uh there's no excuse for my lateness i'm ready to go and so they transport over to the shenzhou connor shows up he's like captain great to see you let's put this guy in the brig we go to the brig and there's like these little tubes that they call agonizer chambers which apparently just people in and it just causes them extreme pain they're just screaming in these tubes and like lightning's flashing over their bodies and they're gonna put Lorca in one and michael tries to stop it and then Lorca's like you can't stop it because we gotta play this to the bone and she goes okay and so she goes up into the she's supposed to go to the bridge with connor and connor per taran custom uh, tries to attack and kill her in the turbo lift and so they fight to the death. And, uh, well, Michael wins. She shoves a giant dagger into Connor's stomach and he bleeds out. And she's, like, kind of screwed up because he was the guy that died on the original Shenzhou. And now she's had to kill him in cold blood. But the door's open. His body falls to the floor, bleeding out. And the crew turns around and they're clapping. All her friends from the original Shenzhou, they're there and they're clapping. And they say, the chair is yours. She sits down in the chair and they say, long live Captain Burnham. Long live the Empire. Yeah. Uh, And it's creepy. Later on, Michael, you know, we assume some time has passed. She's entering her private chambers, her captain's chambers. And Tyler's in there. And he's like, oh, and they freak each other out. And uh, Tyler kind of like does like a half confession. He's like, you know, it's going to be tough here. What this place makes us do. Like, know that I'll always be there to protect you no matter what. And she's like, okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know what I mean by that? And she's like, yeah, I think so. And then they get freaky. So they're basically like, they're saying I love you, but not saying it. Yeah. I thought the first time I watched this, I thought he was going to be like, no matter what happens here, I want you to know. He takes a pause. Mm. I thought he was going to say, I love you. Uh, like, oh, I forgot to mention that Stamets and Hugh say that before the whole thing goes bad, which is very cute. Anyway, uh, instead of saying that, he's like, I'll always be there for you. And she's like, 
Yeah, I appreciate that. And then they get they get nasty on the bed. And while they're getting nasty on the bed, cut to the final scene of this episode is Lorca just screaming his head off in an agonizing tube. So, whoa. Woo! Before we do quotable moments, I feel it's important that we hit him with a little faith of the heart for Dr. Hugh Culver. It's a good idea. Dr. Hugh Culver, you were the best of us, honestly. I love the ship's doctor. Ship's doctor in almost every franchise of Star Trek has a prominent role from Bones to Crusher to Julian to Phlox to... The Doctor with no name. Oh, yeah. Played by Robert Picardo. Yep. The emergency medical hologram. Anyway, you died unceremoniously. A traitor willingly or unwillingly killed you. And I just want you to know that to us, you had faith of the heart. Um, time for quotable moments? <gasps> yes, indeed. Quotable moments. Okay, what do you got? I'll let you I'll let you do the honors because because you know you deserve it. Mine was despite yourself, and I think it was it was a Tilly moment. Of course. And when she was talking to Connor and she said something like, Connor, if you talk to me that way, I'd cut out your tongue to lick my boots. That is very close to the, what it is verbatim. Fortunately, you have me here who has nothing better to do at this time. Of course. She says, if you greeted me that way, Connor, I'd cut out your tongue and use it to lick my boots. Yeah, I'm very close. Thank you. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. I should have written that down. No, you don't have to write that down. That's what I'm here for. It's your job. That's what, it's my job. Okay. And then the quote that I thought was interesting, it's kind of subtle, but it's in uh, Into the Forest I Go. It's when Michael is making the case for why she should go to the Ship of the Dead. She says to Lorca, I'm here on borrowed time. When you asked me to stay, it was to help you win this war. Given the time I spent on that Klingon vessel, I'm the most qualified crewman to place the sensors. Otherwise, I have no purpose here. Uh, I think I just wanted to say, now that we're doing these two episode things, I like to try and come up with a little summation for both episodes. I think that these two episodes are, well, the first one, Into the Forest I Go, is obviously about turning points, going, crossing the Rubicon, going past the point of no return. Everyone stretches their themselves past uh, a point of recovery. Uh, Tyler has his mental malfeasance when he sees Laurel. Uh, Stamets, in the very end, goes, I mean, he does 133 jumps, and he does that one more that basically ends him. And uh, Michael, you know, almost dies trying to uh, fight Cole to get back that emblem, the, 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 the insignia of Georgiou. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. Yes, there it is. The insignia. You know, when you do your British accent, it, and it reminds me of Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow. Because it's not quite Sparrow. British. So you're it's a just, little bit drunk. It's you're a, a bit, bit drunk. drunk. Yeah. It's just yeah. drunk. Yes. What were we doing? What was our Sean Connery from before? Machinations. Oh, machinations. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really do a British accent. I just do a drunk well, American doing a British accent. <laughs> a drunk American who went to finishing school, essentially, is my British accent. Okay. Next time? Next time on Set Phasers. Next time 
on set phasers, we'll be discussing The Wolf Inside, episode 11 of Star Trek Discovery, and Vaulting Ambition, mm. episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery. So please tune in. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. Things are about to get very weird. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live or as a podcast every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. So please subscribe. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and my Instagram game is just, it's really uh, ramping up. Top notch. Top notch. Top notch. So we are at Set Phasers Podcast if you want to find us and like us there. Feel free to join us and join in the conversation of all things Trek. Yes, sir. And if you would like to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us directly. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers and signing up for one of our levels of uh, patronage there. Yep. Until next time, I'm Steph Manns. And I'm Aki Burmese not wearing a bow tie. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly (laughs) illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program.